Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. What does it mean to be wise? Who are the smart people? Throughout all of history, we've had people rise up and say, we are the smart people, do what we say. And often it's led us into tragedy. It's led us into wars. Uh, the, the Nazis believed that they were the smartest people and that other people needed to be removed from society for the good of us all. And they were the wise ones and they knew culture and they knew biology and genetics and politics and they understood things and those that didn't just needed to leave the planet. But they weren't the only ones. The people in the medical profession who were first presented with this concept of there are germs and viruses out there and we should wash our hands between patients and working with dead people and delivering babies they hounded these people out of the profession for believing in these silly things like invisible germs. And so more and more people died, unnecessarily, constantly, for generations. <clears throat> there were more than this, there were people that were convinced that if you eat this food, it will poison you. For example, uh, tomatoes were looked upon as poisonous. They, nobody really understood them, I think. So don't eat those. Well, there were sailors that died of scurvy that could have used a bit of vitamin C. But then again, all of this was led by the smart people who weren't that smart. And here's the thing to keep us all humble. All of us are wrong about some things. All of us are. And so be careful when somebody comes along and says, we're the smart people. <clears throat> this is what you must do now. If you don't do it, you're ignorant and you're stupid. We saw that a whole lot during the COVID crisis, both sides calling the other people ignorant and stupid. And there were varieties and variations within the sides. We see it all the time. We're about to see it again. Because you see in 1 John, what he he's going to return to his light and darkness theme because that's, that's what John does. The only thing higher than light and darkness and the epistles of John will be love. And there's only love because of light in contrast to the hate that's in the darkness. What's happening here? What's he doing? Well, there was a rise of a man named Serenthus who was a proto-Gnostic. And, and I don't want to get into Gnosticism because truly we could spend the next year talking about Gnostics, Gnosticism and not plumb its complex and weird depths but one version of it was already bubbling forth. And that was that Jesus was born in a natural way, conceived by Joseph and Mary, like any other baby was conceived, that he lived his life as a human being, but a special, good, wise human being. And then that God came upon him at some time. Some Gnostics believe that he came around the time Jesus started his ministry. 
Others believe that he came a little bit later, and most of them believe that then God left him on the cross because you can't kill God, so Jesus has to die on his own. Some version of this. This, sometimes he would even say, well, Jesus it was not a man at all. He, he was a spirit form, and we just thought he was a man. And so John's got to deal with all of this because the people pushing all of this Gnosticism are claiming they're the smart ones. Gnosticism comes from the word gnosis, which means knowledge, wisdom. We are the smart people. Listen to us, you little ignorant peons. That's, does this sound familiar? It should sound familiar because it is basically what goes on now all the time with governments, with um, you know, people who say trust the science. Well, you should trust the science, but you should also remember science is a moving target. And it very, very often has to go back and say, oopsie, and sometimes after the death of millions. So let's be careful. Also remember, the consensus does not equal fact. In the 70s, there was a broad consensus that can well be overstated that the earth was cooling and we were probably going to be looking at a mini ice age. Nothing like the glaciers that pushed you know, Ohio into North Carolina, but um, you know, some really, really bad times were coming. And then of course it was global warming and now it's climate change. And yet all through this, they're yelling consensus. Be just be careful. I think that all of these consensuses have a lot of reality and fact within them. But it's when, and so on, it doesn't bother me when they change their mind. It's what science is supposed to do. But when the group then turns to you and says, you're ignorant, you're stupid for not agreeing with us, that's dangerous. Whether it's Christians saying that to somebody, or whether it is some sexual group saying that to society, or whether it is or anybody. Because once you degrade a person as ignorant and as holding us back, then you are allowed to kill them. We've seen that in Cambodia. We've seen it in the USSR. We saw it in Germany. We have seen it in America during the eugenics movement of the 1900s. John here is warning us and telling us that the wise people are the ones who are walking in the light. How do you know that you're walking in the light? Because you're walking like Jesus and loving people. Those who walk in the darkness, he says, are known for their hate. Watch them. I've actually had people threaten my life, not recently, this has been a while, threaten my life, yelling, turning red in the face, crowding around me, claiming that they loved me and therefore I needed correction. And I hate, they said I hated them because I wouldn't agree with them. Although I was the calm one and I was the one saying, if you need anything from my wallet, you've got it. If you need anything from my house, you have it. What can I do for you today? But I was the hater because I didn't agree with them. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 12. I write, this is a lyrical thing here. It's a lyrical device he's doing. He's not literally just talking to little children, young men, and fathers. This is a way of setting up something 
that he's later going to use as a point of reference and contrast other things to it. It's what they did, okay? I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you've known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, if that all seems a bit repetitive, it's only because it is. <clears throat> and if it all seems a bit of folding into itself, it's, that's what it does. In some ways, it's very reminiscent of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through, let's say, 4, where, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, that kind of folding. It's one of the reasons we know John wrote this book. It's very much the way John wrote books. What's he talking about? Here's, here's all you need to see. The power words in this passage are know and overcome. You know and you've overcome. In fact, if you have a Bible and you make marks in your Bible, um, you might want to go through 1 John and just circle or underline or highlight every time some version of the phrase, you know, we know, that no is found. You might be surprised and then go back through and read it, seeing all of these highlighted, popping out at you, and you'll see better the theme of 1 John because we who believe in Jesus Christ know he is the light and we walk in him. And yet the world that is living in darkness is screaming at us that we are the ignorant ones living in the dark. Our response to the world cannot be a scream back, cannot be a taking up of arms, but rather loving them in contrast to their hating us. So, Look at verse 15, and we're going to define some terms that might help. Might help you with how you in engage in the world. <clears throat> Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of God lives forever. When I was a boy, when I'd come across a passage like this, and there, there are several in the New Testament, they, they did bother me a lot because I, I didn't understand what was going on here. There seemed to be contradictions. For example, when God made the world, he said it was good. Now, does he now mean it's all bad? We'd be riding in the car, now, kids, Back in the day, there was no internet, none. You had no phones. Uh, you had a phone at the house, mind you. One tethered to the wall with the curly cord that always got messed up. But you had no other entertainment except to read a book, color pages, or look out the window. That's what you did on drives. You looked out the window. And so there'd be three bored kids in the back. And I had two sisters at the time, so, and, the, and they were older, so I always, got, I always rode the transmission hump in the, in, in the back. And the pair, it just, you, many of the cars had no air conditioning either. It was a very primitive time. Your grandparents are a lot tougher than you give them credit for. And the, the, every now and then the parents would say, um, you know, look outside, you're bored, look outside. 
And I'd look outside and I'd see trees and fields and the like, but I'd seen them before. I could recognize them at moment's notice. But they said, no, you're, you need to appreciate what we're driving through. And I'm going, but I'm not to love the world. Now this is all inside. You did not question my father, period. Not to love the world or the things that are in the world. How am I supposed to engage with it? And the fact is, I did love things in the world. Love dogs. Oh boy, love dogs. Love bunnies. I, I loved mountains. I loved the sea, the wildness of the sea. I loved going through mountains and canyons. Loved it, still do. If I could find a house that was on a mountain by the sea um, and somebody gave it to me, they'd have to, uh, I, would, I would go, okay, we're broadcasting our safe harbor from here from now on. Yes, I can be bought. Um, I, I only can say that with great confidence because there is a zero chance of that ever happening. Okay, you know, dream, dream on, dream on. But I love that stuff. So am I wrong for loving that? It wasn't until many years later that I found out that there were several words for world. The world, world as a place is terra. God never tells us so we can't love terra. That you can't love the flowers spring or those of you that really love the winter for reasons i'll never understand that you uh, you know you'll say oh but we get out in it and i'm saying and i don't understand that either but people get so excited to go skiing or to go snowboarding um, uh, snowmobiling or to go ice fishing which don't even try don't even try uh, but they love that and i'm going well are they wrong whenever i see the the green of spring i get all excited and I also love the wild colors of fall. And yet, am I wrong? No. We're allowed to love that. And in fact, we're supposed to care for it. And this is why, while I may not panic, like many want me to panic about the changing climate, I do believe that we should pollute less, reuse more, recycle when possible, and while I'm not a big fan of wind energy right now because it's just not producing enough for its cost to be justified, I hope we keep studying it. And I hope we keep studying all the other alternatives because, you know, this planet may last a bit longer and we'd like for it to be uh, habitable. Human beings are so adaptable, I have the feeling they're gonna do just fine. So again, no panic, but we're to take care of Terra. So what is, What's the word here? Most often, it is a form of the word eon, where we get the word for time, vast, vast sections of time, eons and eons. But it means the world's way of doing things. Don't love the way the world does things. Now, my wife and I go to professional soccer games here in Nashville. We're big fans of Nashville. Uh, we can rejoice in a, a win. Like recently, recently, we've had a good run. Now, when you watch this, who knows? Uh, but we don't join in the chants from the supporter section. If you don't know that, in every soccer field, <coughs> especially in America, one end is called the supporter section. They beat drums and do chants all through the game. That's, that's their job. <coughs> They're very enthusiastic about it. It is part of the, it's part of the atmosphere. And most of the cheers are, are great and they're wonderful. But some of them, 
um, will tell ref you and um, they'll tell the ref that he's he fails in some but it's it's crudity that's used or when the opponent's uh, opposing team members are are um, introduced there can be words that are insults and again crudities chanted <coughs> that's the way the world's do uh, the world does things is it all right to enjoy the game and thrill at your team winning absolutely that's not worldly but to do that you need to understand you are not required to hate the other team you are not required to hate the people who support that team you are not required to yell crudities insults vulgarities you are not required to boo every call that doesn't go your way we don't do things the way the world does things period one of the examples here he gives the cravings of sinful man craving lust is the lust of his eyes the boasting of what he has and what he does that doesn't come from the father he says that comes from the world so we need to be careful as we go through our day does this reflect the world and the world's way of doing things as I've said before there was a man in my office once who was a leader of a church uh, and a sizable one at that that he had some complaints about some things and and they they weren't about my church or about me but he, he just wanted to unload and I, I looked at him and I said well what if, what if we start with a sermon on the mount and he immediately said if I ran my business like the Sermon on the Mount I'd go bankrupt I looked at him and I said so what's your point and of course he called me a communist socialist and all the other which is which is laughable uh, but I understood what he why he reacted that way because he felt he needed to do world things the way the world does things or he'd be a failure John disagrees he says we need to find another way to do this and our safe harbor has found another way to do church where we welcome everybody and because of that we've taken some real heat from some people and I still get those emails not as often as I used to uh, to be honest I get a lot more supportive emails thank you all of those matter every one of those matters but whenever one comes in that's hateful we never respond in hate I do try to always respond at least for the first few times when I real when it's obvious that this has become a debate that's feeding the ego of the other person I stop but if they were to push 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 I would then just respond we disagree but you're still welcome that's not the world's way of doing things we've had people say to us we've really enjoyed our time with you but we feel like we need to start a different thing we have never said oh no we're losing money and members." no no okay you do what God leads you to do now is that smart from a worldly perspective no we should be trying to hoard every penny and every member and we should really guilt those and just pile the guilt on those that aren't giving or, or who were members now they're not members or no 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 we're not doing that we're just going to be Jesus people so far it's worked for those of you that do wonder our budget is 
razor thin. We make our budget most of the time, but it's by dollars, not by thousands of dollars. And when we don't meet it, we've generally found a way to underspend the best we can. Uh, none of us are getting rich, not, and that's not really what we're wanting either. That's not the point. The point is this, we're doing okay. We'd like to do better, so we'd like to have some more money. We'd like to have some more members. But is it worth then acting like the world to get them? We would say no. And I think most of you would agree. Most of you are, most of you aren't overburdened by the thickness of your wallets either, are you? You're on that razor thin margin. We get that. I go to the grocery store for my wife. I know. I get it. We're glad to have you if you never give us a penny. We would ask for your prayers and maybe that encouraging email every now and then. But let's talk about this again. The lust of the eyes. I want that. I want that. I want that. I'm recording this on the same phone I used two and a half years ago uh, on the same tripod where I think this is the same tripod when we started our safe harbor. The phone is beginning to show some signs of age and I, I believe they even build in some battery deterioration to help you, most, you know, go to the next one. So eventually I'm gonna need another phone, but do I crave it? No, not at all. My vehicle, uh, I've only had for a year and a half and it has over 41,000 miles on it because welcome home tours. Please send us your address, info at rsafeharbor.com so I can come see you. Wear that thing out. Now, whenever I see a, a, a newer, fancier, more comfortable vehicle go by, do I ever think, I'd like one like that. Yeah, sometimes, but I don't crave it. I don't then turn and look at my car, which is perfectly suited for what I do. By the way, perfectly. This is not some <laughs> passive aggressive call for help. You know, I, I love the vehicle and it treats me right. So when I look at it, I don't know, why aren't you a bigger car? Why aren't you a faster car? Why aren't you? No, no, I don't. I'm enjoying what I got. I'm not going to look at my wife and say, why aren't you younger? Because uh, I do own mirrors. I've seen me too. Craving is not a good sign. And even, by the way, I don't want to go down this road because you can, you can, I know a lot about this particular subject, but it's not today that we need to cover it. If you are craving a particular food, always, make sure you're eating a good selection, a wide variety of the best food you can get. Not the most expensive food, but you know, vegetables and fruits and grains and such. The best you can do. You know, some lean meats, the best you can do. That way we know that the craving may not be from uh, a, a nutrient that you desperately need. By the way, if you're craving cotton candy, eh, it's not a nutrient. Or peeps which are basically just compressed cotton candy, I believe, but regardless. Also, you need to ask yourself the question, what are you really hungry for? And very often it's comfort, it's acceptance, it's community. So you might want to go do that instead. I know it's oversimplistic, but it is true uh, at a very deep level. So what are you we craving? What keeps us up at night? Not fears, but wants. 
the boast, you know, that those are all dangerous. And then the boasting of what he has and does. I, um, I really, I get turned off by that, don't you? I can even remember being in school and in high school and there would always be a kid that came from a family that had the newest car where well, the rest of us didn't have a car and they had the newest stuff and you had the newest clothes and, oh, and, they, and then they had the nerve to be good looking too, which was very frustrating for the rest of us. Some of these people grow up to be something that they, they have to always tell you. You know, well, when I graduated from this college and then I, whenever I did this and then, you know, so I know more than you little people. See the theme? They're going to try to make you small. They want something better than you and they're going to tell you that they're better than you. I have done all these things. I own all of this other. My net worth is worth all of this other. With God, your net worth is Jesus. It is not a line in a bank account statement. Remember that. And then he says, remember, none of that comes from the world, this craving and boasting. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. In America, there was a, um, a new car named after Henry Ford's son, the Edsel. It became famous for failing dramatically. And yet if you take a look at the real car, it was, um, it was advanced for its time. Very much like Studebaker and their Avante. These things were very, very advanced, but they were too much, too much at the wrong time. Styles were changing. In fact, I've even driven an Edsel and the people would say, look, this was ahead of its time. Look, this is ahead of its time. I really enjoyed driving it. I would hate to have to drive that thing every day. Yeah, remember the Lamborghini, Lamborghini Countach? One of the, you, know, you weren't a real person or a real male if you didn't have that big poster at some time in your life. If you go drive one of them today, they're horrible. They're slow, steering's awful, they break down constantly. Everything we think is fantastic will pass away, except Jesus. So if you're going to hold on to something that you want to keep you safe through all the storms, my recommendation would be to hold on to something that doesn't move through all the storms. Hold on to Christ, not stuff. All right. Let's talk about the will of man who does the will of God lives forever. I love that. So let's talk about, introduce a subject that we're going to have to talk more about next week. What's Antichrist? When I was a boy and still today, although not as much, and I think it's because I just avoid those stations, those people and those places, but I would always hear about the Antichrist. The Antichrist is coming. And it was always as a person. I can remember when uh, Mikhail Gorbachev became the ruler of the Soviet Union. And you can look him up, kids, if you don't remember this or you're too young. He had a big birthmark on his head and he was very thinning hair so you could see it. Um, birthmarks are birthmarks, you know, um, not, not a problem. 
But there are even ministers that say it even looks like Afghanistan because the Russians had gone into Afghanistan and it was a debacle. Um, and then you know, they would say, well, he has a mark of the beast on him. Really? A birthmark? That's what you're going to? Haven't you read Leviticus? Leviticus says birthmarks are just fine. Thank you very much. Well, um, they would, everybody had to be 666. Everybody. They kept looking for the one person, the mark of the beast. Even, let me see, I've got books and stuff sitting around here. Even when they came up with these little codes that you scan. So that to take inventory, make it more controlled. Uh, they know what to order, what not to order. Well, who's buying what? That, um, well, not who at that stage, but rather what's being purchased. That um, people called that the mark of the beast. I saw brochures on it. I heard sermons on it. Not from my particular religious tribe, but they were all over the telly. They were all over the radio. And back then, remember, we didn't have iPhones and entertainment systems in the car, even like CDs and cassettes for the longest time. We had eight tracks, which were an abomination. That might have been the Antichrist. No, probably not. Anyway, so you had to drive with one, one hand and turn the radio knob with the other. Do you remember that? And so you'd come across religious stations. The Antichrist, the anti everything is the Antichrist. And yep, uh, in the last election, I heard Biden called the Antichrist. I also heard, heard Trump called the Antichrist. Seems like we got a lot of them. What is, what's the Antichrist? That's what we're going to talk about next week. John may surprise you with what he says. And here's the kicker. John's the one who talks most about him. Or it. Or them. Hmm. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Don't read ahead and spoil it for the rest of us. Just kidding. You can read ahead. It's fine. Love you. If you need us for anything, please info at rsafeharbor.com and please send us your address, contact info, so we can put you on our world tour map, our welcome home tour that is never shared. You know, we put a pin, but not in your street, in your town, on that big map at our website, rsafeharbor.com. Uh, but we never share your details with anybody unless you say we can, and then we don't share them again unless you say we can that time. In other words, every single time we ask you. Uh, otherwise, we keep an extremely tight lid on that sort of thing. All right, let us know where you are. I'd love to come see you. Cheers. See you next week.